Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We offer to you the sacrifices of praise. We thank you for salvation, for life, for health, for daily blessing. We thank you for material and spiritual blessings. We thank you, O oh God, for blessing us in every way, in every area and every facet of our being. Bless us like Jabez, indeed, and let your hand be with us. Let no evil befall us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from all evil. Thank you, Lord, for putting it into our hearts tonight to come together around your word. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us. And we know that you will touch us in a very, very special way. The sick among us, you will heal. The depressed, you will set free. The brokenhearted, you will mend their broken hearts and fill their hearts with a new joy, a joy which only you can give. Father, there is no need in this house tonight there is no need in this family tonight that your power is unable to meet. You can meet every need. And we so ask tonight that every need you will supply, provide healing, deliverance, victory, and every other need in the lives of this your people. These things we ask in Jesus' name. And we also remember, Lord, as we pray, the sick and needy among us and around us. With the same hand you have touched us tonight, we ask you to touch them, whether they are near or far from where we are. Save the ones who need salvation and draw with love and compassion the ones who have drifted away from you. Draw them back again to your side, ye Lord. Draw them even into your bosom. Thank you, Father, for who you are. You're concerned. You're loving and kind. You're long-suffering. You are our God, our refuge, and our strength. We thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Tonight, the portion of scripture we are considering is to be found in Genesis chapter 15. In fact, we are actually continuing our discourse on this 15th chapter of Genesis. On the last occasion, we took note of the directive God gave to Abraham to assure him that the land of Canaan is deeded to him and to his descendants forever. We are in Genesis chapter 15. God required a sacrificial offering of an heifer, a she-goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. Abraham prepared 
before the Lord and waited for God to send down fire upon the sacrifice. For so it used to be in those days. Whenever God would accept the sacrifice, fire would fall from heaven on that sacrifice. While Abraham waited ceremonially on clean birds of prey, swooped down on God's offering in a futile attempt to haul the sacrificial pieces away. But Abraham would have none of it. He stoutly resisted the vultures while waiting. He was also fighting heaviness of sleep as he guarded the precious pieces. Yes, he also was faced with the challenge of night fast falling around him. But this man of faith refused to allow the scavengers, the shadows, or the slumber to get hold of him and to prevent him, refused to allow these things from preventing him to guard that which belonged to God. The man of faith stayed by God's stuff, guarding it until God showed up for that which was cheerfully surrendered to him as a sacrificial offering. I'm reminded of the scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12. One word in that scripture. Uh, but let me quote the whole verse. Paul said, 2 Timothy 1 and 12, I know in whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. The word that's challenging me now is committed. Abraham had committed this sacrifice to God. And no vulture was going to come in between him, his sacrifice, and his God. Abraham would stand guard and stand watch over that which he had totally committed to God. That is the level of commitment God is expecting of you and me in these times. In fact, at all times, Abraham guarded what he had committed to God. In what seemed like a night hour, God responded. It was long. It seemed dreary. But God responded. Let me put in a word here. Hold on and never let go. Your answer is on the way. Joy is coming in the morning. God is about to show up at any time. Stand guard over that which you have committed to the Lord. Watch it. Guard it with diligence. And in due time, the Lord will show up on the scene. Verse number 12 tells us that a deep sleep fell on Abraham. That's Genesis 15, 12. A deep sleep fell on Abraham. A vision of 
terrible darkness came over him. And God was about to show him the terrible horror that would befall his descendants in a strange land and how deliverance and prosperity would come subsequently. Abraham experienced what we may call a deep vision. The scripture says a darkness, terrible of terrible horror, fell over Abraham. This will be the context of our message tonight. How God was going to bring Abraham through to the reality that what he had promised he would do. Abraham had to pass through the process. Now, let us notice first the promise. The promise God made to his friend Abraham in verse number 7. I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees to give you this land to inherit it. Abraham came out of the land of Ur of the Chaldees with his father and his father's family. But at the time, Abraham did not realize that it was God leading him with that bunch because God wanted to speak to him and reveal to him something great and something more wonderful. Right now you may be a part of the bunch and you don't know what glorious things God has in store for you. But if it is a good bunch, stick with the bunch. And in due time, you're going to realize God's purpose for your life. The sovereign God of all makes Abraham a promise of a strategic, valuable, and most promising piece of real estate, property that would in time become the joy of the whole earth, destined to become the envy of every nation on earth. The land was going to be the cradle of the Savior of all mankind. What a promise. Abraham couldn't conceive this. He didn't have the capacity to visualize this. But all of these things God had in store for him. We too are sustained by what God has promised to all who believe. Presently, salvation. And in the future, eternity with God. A home, a mansion, a crown. An eternity of God-directed activity. In a word, we are all standing on the promises of God. In fact, we stand by the promises of God. Hebrews 6, 18 and 19 says, We have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. The hymn writer says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but hope. 
name on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. God the Almighty gave to Abraham a promise, and he has given us also a promise. And that promise is that whosoever believes on Christ, God's Son, should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. We're living our Christian life resting securely on God's promise. His promises never fail. They will not fail. They cannot fail. For he has magnified his word above all his name. Psalms 138 and verse number 2. In Numbers, the 13th chapter, Joshua, Caleb, and ten other men went into the land of Canaan to secretly survey and report the conditions and prospects back to Moses. The majority, that is, ten of the twelve, came back to Moses with a negative report after a 40-day survey. They reported that the land was good. It was fertile. It was fruitful. But oh, the inhabitants, the people, the giants, the cities, they reported, were well fortified. In a way, they were claiming that Israel did not have any chance of success against the odds. What did these ten spies ignore? They closed their eyes and their consciences to the promise God gave to Moses and to all Israel that he was going to bring them into a good land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land where they would eat bread without scarceness, a land of brooks, a land of plenty. The men, ten men, failed to note that God makes a promise and stands by whatever promise he makes. Despite the odds, God was able and is always able to overcome all the odds. Joshua and Caleb seized upon the word of promise, and they said, If the Lord is pleased with us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us. Numbers chapter 14. And verse number 8. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring, bring us into the land and give it to us. In Numbers 13 and 30, the two of them said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. These two men, Caleb and Joshua, had the Spirit of God in 
God in them. They trusted God's word. They wholly followed the Lord in what he said. Therefore, they were not afraid of the giants. They were not afraid of the size of the cities or the fortification of the cities. They were not afraid of the people. They saw the people as just a, a means whereby they could become successful in that land because God was with them. These two spiritual giants stood on God's promises. They entered into the land eventually. They got a share of the land for themselves. In fact, Caleb, at 85 years old, he said to Joshua, give me this mountain. There were giants around there, but Caleb said, I'll take this mountain. Yes, they got a share of the land for themselves. And they opened the door for the thousands of other Israelites to enter the land and to benefit from the blessings God had in store for people who trust him. Back now to Genesis 15. The promise of Canaan is here made to Abraham. However, there will be in this promise the necessary element known as process. God had to prepare Abraham to receive the news. A vision, in this case, it was one of horror and darkness. The news was to be sad. Abraham had to be conditioned to receive it. God put him to sleep so that he could cope with the news that he was about to receive. His sleep was a deep sleep, a sleep of horror, great darkness fell on him, according to verse number 12. And let me say that sometimes, before God does something great for us, he deliberately causes us not to be able to see what is ahead. So that when we get to that, or get to the reality of it, we will be dropping our jaws and saying, wow, I never saw this coming. I didn't expect such a great blessing. Well, thank you, and you and I will rejoice greatly and abundantly. Abraham had to be placed on the spiritual anesthesia. God put him to sleep. Just like when God brought, uh, would, would bring Eve to Adam, he had to put Adam to sleep. Do you know that sometimes our eyes cannot behold the wondrous things that God has in store for us just around the bend? There are some people who are expecting calamity everywhere, everywhere. But let me tell you this. Nothing good would God withhold from those who walk uprightly. God has great things and wonderful things in store for you. Don't be the pessimist. 
be optimistic and believe that God has wonderful things in store for you. There's some people who say, well, yesterday was a bad day. I hope today would be a good day. But every day is a good day. Always declare that this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. This was part of the process for Abraham. God was going to share some sad news with him. And God had to put him to sleep before sharing that news with him. But Abraham, being a man of faith, he was able to bear the process and stand by the result. What was the process? The process was, I'm giving you this land, Abraham, but it will take a little time. We realize, and you all, you all realize, that a seed has the potential of being turned into a huge fruit tree or into a vast orchard. But the process of germination, growth, maturity, flowering, fruit bearing, ripening, and reaping, that process has to take place over time. And while it is taking, after it is taking place, then you will be able to have the fruit on your table. You couldn't have that fruit on your table unless that fruit had gone through a process from seed to ripen fruit or harvest. This could be longer or shorter interval depending on the purpose or the purposes of God. The husbandman waits patiently for the fruit, James 5 and 7. Abraham had to have the title deed, but total physical possession was not to come until later on. Was he willing to wait out the process? Somewhere in scripture, it says, in one of Abraham's sojourn, in fact, it's Hebrews 11 and 10. He looked for a city that has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11 and 10. Oh, yes. His, uh, this Abraham was in the physical land, but that which he saw then was not the end of it all. That piece of land, that great piece of property was going to become the, the city of the eternal God. God's promises are good, but process comes with his promises. Seed, time, then harvest, according to Genesis 8 and 22. In due time, you shall reap. If you faint not, Galatians 6 and 9. In patience, possess ye your soul, 
have her perfect work, James 1 and 4. What process may be God's way of moving towards purpose? His purpose and your God's purpose and your purpose. Process moves us towards God's purpose and towards your purpose. God is working His plan while at the same time He is developing in us qualities that prepare us for the new blessing He's about to give. In one way, process could be classified as divine delays. While we are waiting, we are wondering, did God answer my prayer? When is God going to answer my prayer? When will the answer come? Process has to take place so that purpose may be accomplished and fulfilled. God has a purpose. But to get to that or to get through that purpose, process has to be in motion. And what was God, uh, what was God attending to while Abraham waited fulfillment of the promise? God was giving the heathen Amorites grace, mercy, and space to repent. The Bible says in verse 16 of Genesis 15, For the time of the Amorites was not yet fulfilled. The iniquity of the Amorites was not yet full. So inasmuch as the Amorites were a heathen people, God was interested in giving them time and giving them space to repent. When you and I look around and we see the condition of our world today and the condition of certain places, we wonder how long will it be before the hammer of God's judgment would fall. But God is a good God and he has some people he's working with in order to accomplish their salvation. For the Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. While we are anxious for God to fulfill His promise, He is still working with grace and mercy at the other end. He will not abruptly displace another to thrust you in. He is long-suffering. He is full of grace and truth and allows space for repentance on the part of the one who is to be displaced. Remember, God is merciful to transgressors. He reproves them often before He suddenly cuts them off. Proverbs 29 and 1. Timing is in God's hand, and timing is God's prerogative. Prayer is like the showers that bring the fruit to maturity or harvest. God does his part while we 
130 years there in servitude. But would exit Egypt as a massive tribe, numbering three plus million, it is believed by many. The psalmist says in Psalms 105, verse 37, among the millions that left Egypt, that there was not one feeble person among them. Millions. Yet, there was not a single feeble person, no wheelchairs, no canes, no crutches. The old were strong, the young were strong, the cattle together moved and traveled across the Red Sea across the wilderness, not one feeble person among them. They would go in, in a small group, going to Egypt in a small group, but would leave in great numbers. Multiplication would take place. There were no diminishing returns. God would bless them, multiply them, increase them, strengthen them, and bless them with wealth beyond compare. God's promises are good, but sometimes it takes a while to be fulfilled. But while it is taking a while, it is not an occasion for us to complain or quarrel or to be doubtful, God is working his purpose out. And the time comes when your answer will come if you keep on believing in faith. Abraham would be long gone when the fulfillment takes place. But you and I are privileged today to be alive when Israel is again established as a nation. In fact, our experience, personal experience of salvation was promised 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. It has happened. We are saved. And Jesus is doing a wonderful work in our lives and hearts. That's why we are on this line tonight. Because we believe in Jesus. But he did say 2,000 years ago, he who believes on my name shall be saved and delivered. Abraham did not see the literal fulfillment of the promise to his descendant, but many saw it. History recorded it. And we have seen quite a bit of it. And every day, the truth of this promise is unfolding before our very eyes. The Word of God is being declared from the newspapers and on, in the television news. They're reporting the Word of God and they don't even realize it. At age 175, 
with a smoking an odor of burning meat a flaming torch passing between the prepared sacrifice what had happened heaven came down to attest to the faithfulness of God's performance of his promise to you and to your descendants i will give this land and i'm confirming it by allowing fire to fall on this sacrifice from which you have been driving the vultures away the vultures would have been glad to devour the sacrifice before the fire would fall but abraham you have stood tall you have remained faithful to me you have defended my property you have defended the gift that you gave to me you would not allow the gift to disappear and to be consumed by the ungodly vultures but you defended it because you knew that i was going to come down and honor it the deal was sealed by the falling flames on the sacrifice canaan is israel's land god promised it and attested to it by acceptance of a sacrifice made there to israel belongs now to Abraham and his successor successors the promise fulfilled and much more is yet to come the promise has been fulfilled and much more is yet to come the exceeding the abundantly above all one could ask or think became a reality and will become a greater reality as the years roll by Ephesians 3 and 20. Jesus will return and his feet will touch down on the Mount of Olives according to Zechariah 14 and 4. He will roar from Jerusalem. Joel 3:16 and Amos 1 and 2. Let me repeat that. Jesus will roar from Jerusalem. Remember, he's a lion of the tribe of Judah and he has prevailed. and when the lion roars who shall not fear is about to pounce down on the prey Joel 3:16 and Amos 1 and 2 says Jesus will roar from Jerusalem Jerusalem shall become the capital city of the whole world the son of david shall rule the world the nation from zion the city of god zechariah 14 verses 8 and 9 abraham could never have comprehended the ramifications of that promise i give you this land as an inheritance 15 and 18 there rather in there is a scripture in first corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 9 that bears this out I have not seen nor ear heard neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him 
1 Corinthians 1 and 9, Isaiah 64 and verse number 4, and Isaiah 65 and verse number 17. Beloved, Abraham didn't see the full realization of many things, but he is the man who received the promise from God, passed it on to his generation. And we are living in a day when we are seeing many of these promises being not just fulfilled, but being amplified, being played out right before our very eyes. So beloved, the word to you and to me at this time is this. Press on toward the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3 and 13. And follow him till he reveals to you the riches of the glory of his inheritance in you. God has an inheritance in you. And you need to stick to him until that inheritance is revealed to you. We have not seen the end of God's goodness, nor are we yet able to grasp the exceeding greatness of his power and riches toward us. There is much more to come. He will show us his glory. Abraham was blessed in his day. We too are blessed today. Abraham did not experience everything the promise embraced. We too have not yet experienced all, but we are moving forward and upward. And soon we shall behold the Savior 